turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. So there's some uh, backdoor last-minute finagling going on at the Ohio State House, where you know that the deadline is approaching for them to either uh, put on the ballot in November this measure to, or in August rather, this measure to establish a standard of a 60% vote to change the Ohio Constitution. This is problematic for Ohio Speaker of the House Jason Stevens because he promised. At least many of us are positive that he promised. I should say it that way. All the Democrats who voted for him to become speaker, and more Democrats voted for him than Republicans. Yes, I know. Dirty tricks. Rhino Republican. Squish. Yeah, that's Jason Stevens. The strong belief is that Jason Stevens promised the Democrats that he would not allow anyone in Ohio to vote on whether or not a 60% standard should be established to amend the Ohio Constitution. I've had Rob Walgate on from the American Policy Roundtable. Rob is not in favor of this particular standard because he thinks it will be used down the road to keep the state of Ohio from outlawing transgender surgeries on minors. Rob's a smart guy. I listen to everything he says. The belief when this standard was proposed that a 60% vote or more would be required to amend the Constitution would be to make it harder for bloodthirsty abortion advocates in Ohio to put a right to abortion in the Ohio Constitution. What I know is that Jason Stevens has promised that if this bill comes to the House floor, he will vote for it, which would, of course, mean that he lied to Democrats in the House when he likely told them that he would keep this from becoming a ballot initiative. But, of course, we know that Jason Stevens is not averse to lying because he promised to vote for Derek Marin as Speaker of the House and then went out on his own and set up a cabal to install himself as Speaker. If you want to follow this, you can do so at myriad online accounts who breathlessly follow every single thing coming out of the Ohio State House. There is, to me, something at the State House or something in state government that is much more consequential, and that is an attempt going on to make marijuana legal, recreational marijuana legal in the state of Ohio. Now, I'll say this. I noticed the other day on my way to uh, drop my kids off at school that there is a brand new building going up near a major intersection on my way to school. And I was curious. I wonder what that is. That's not cheap real estate. That's a fancy building built from scratch. That's got to be exorbitantly expensive. Well, they just put the sign on the building. And it is a... CBD-related building, medical marijuana. Now, I have no problem with medical marijuana if you have a prescription for medical marijuana, and I have no problem with CBD because I know that once the addictive chemical in marijuana is removed, it gives a lot of relief to a lot of people. I have endorsed before because I knew the people, and I vouched for everything they told me about the science behind the product. 
But I am foursquare against the legalization of recreational marijuana in the state of Ohio and everywhere else. And the reason why I am foursquare against it is because do we not have a mental health issue in America where people pick up guns or drive cars or use bombs to kill other people? And almost always it boils down to the fact that the person has a mental health issue. The guy on the subway in New York, mental health issue. The shooter in Allen, Texas, mental health issue. Discharged, by the way, discharged from the Army in 2008 for mental health issues. And 15 years later, he can go out and buy a gun and blow away little kids, including three of four members in one family. 15 years, you had a heads up on this guy's mental health and nobody monitored him? Again. We don't need more gun control laws. We need to use the laws we have, and we need to tend to the nation's mental health crisis. And it is inarguable to me that the increase in mental health issues and the increase in marijuana usage and legalization, it is inarguable to me that those two things have to be linked in some way, shape, or form. No, I don't believe, stoners, that marijuana is not addictive. And no, I don't believe that it is not a gateway drug to other more hard drugs. You show me your study, I'll show you my study. We can throw dueling studies at each other. It does not do you any good to fry any of your brain cells, whether it is with marijuana or anything else. And it does not do society any good, if it is indeed harmless, for you to walk around in a daze all the day long. Get a job and do something productive. Now, my 8 o'clock at night is not nearly as good as it used to be because I have, like you, been denied exposure to the monologues of Tucker Carlson. Fired by Fox, and they still won't say why. And their ratings are not just plummeting, not just cratering, they are in free fall as if you shut the engines off an airplane at 36,000 feet. And yet, as their ratings continue to get worse and worse and worse, Fox News seems to think it is going to help them. I say going to help them because it's not helping them now. (laughs) It's going to help them, I presume is their strategy, to continue to release undercover Tucker Carlson videos. Now, let me let me just clue you in. When you do a TV show, and I've done a couple, you have time during the break where the cameras are rolling, but you're not on camera broadcast to other people. Like this radio show. I can talk to Jeff during breaks. He can talk to me. You don't hear it, but it goes on, okay? Because of the way we have the buttons pushed and all that. So Fox has tons and tons and tons of between-breaks And prior to the show starting, video of Tucker Carlson. And they're releasing it to Media Matters and the New York Times. Now, Fox will say, oh, we're not releasing it. Didn't you see our lawsuit against Media Matters? Yeah, I did. Which was a transparent attempt to say, see, we're not releasing it. We filed a lawsuit. Nice try. Not buying it. You have the audio. Who else would be releasing it? Who else? presumes they have something to gain by disparaging Tucker Carlson. So the funny thing about all these videos about Tucker is that they really don't make him look bad and in fact make him look like 
a more authentic conservative than I really thought he was. Here he is talking about some conversation in some pre-air conversation about some woman in another network noting that if you are a lib to the degree that you put pronouns in your bios, maybe Fox News is a place you shouldn't work. A lot of liberals working over there. And, you know, they see this as war. And we're the main force on the other side. And, like, that's crazy. If you've got pronouns in your Twitter bio, you shouldn't work here. Because we can't trust you because you're on the other side. And she goes, well, who? And I said, I'm not going to name names because I don't know who did it. And I'm definitely not going to cast dispersions on someone unfairly. Just because you're liberal doesn't mean you did this. It does mean you shouldn't work here. And Roger would never put up with this. Why would you do that? Yes, exactly. Why would you put up with that? So that's a while ago. Roger Ailes has not been there for quite some time. But that shows you how deep they've gone and back into the archives. Try to find something, anything to make Tucker look like a very unlikable guy. Their ratings are in free fall. MSNBC is pulling more people at 8 o'clock than Fox, which I kind of feel bad for the Fox people who have been given the short straw of stepping into Tucker's spot. First, it was Brian Kilmeade. Then it was Lawrence Jones. This week, it's Kaylee McEnany. They'll give six, seven, eight, nine people a chance. Will Kane will get a chance. I don't know who else. Pete Hegseth will get a chance. But they really ticked off their viewers. And I'm not sure their viewers are going to come back. Which is a shame because Tucker's voice needs to be heard. Those viewers will land wherever Tucker lands. He's trying to get out of his deal. They're trying to keep him off the air until January 2025. Until after the next presidential election. He's got a sharp-fanged media attorney. He will be back sooner, I hope, rather than later. And there are those in media who are encouraging him, just blow up Fox. Just void your contract. Just let him come after you. You're going to make more money where you go next. You'll be able to afford it. We'll see. We'll see. So yesterday I'm uh, watching... Uh, the news, and out comes Joe Biden. And I'm like, wow, this must be important. The president is out. He's talking. And Pete Buttigieg is standing right next to him. And the president starts talking about airlines and airline fees and getting reimbursed for delayed flights and meals. And I'm not against that. I mean, we've all been inconvenienced by... Airline inefficiency. I was in. I was inconvenienced by it earlier this year, on a trip to North Carolina. We landed, sat on the tarmac, forty-five minutes, got in, missed our flight, had to sit there for six hours. We went and ate lunch. Airline didn't pay for that. Would have been nice if they did. But is this a real huge pressing problem in our country? Um, strikes me that immigration with tens of thousands of migrants cascading over our southern border. A little bit bigger problem. Strikes me that crime, by the way, uh, those two issues sometimes are linked, immigration and crime. Uh, Inflation, a little bit bigger deal. Maybe the war in Ukraine, 
maybe Chinese aggression in Taiwan and elsewhere. Uh, so I was not the only one thinking this. Uh, Jackie Heinrich of Fox News thought this might be uh, a question that Corinne Jean-Pierre, your White House press secretary, could perhaps explain. We talked about, you know, Memorial Day flights, but that's three weeks away from now. He said, you know, preparing, looking ahead to, to Memorial yeah. Day weekend. So it, it causes the question of, you know, is the president really focused on today's biggest issues when everyone in here is asking about Title 42, the debt ceiling, mass shooting over the weekend, and we didn't hear the president talk about any of those Regular things. Regular American families, everyday families, are thinking about Memorial Day weekend. They are. They are thinking about how are they going to travel with their family, with their kids. They care about what the president said today. So that does matter. Now, you know what was interesting about that answer? It was that Corinne Jean-Pierre did not read it. She actually extemporaneously answered that question. Which explains to me why they have her read every answer. Because that was a really stupid answer. She is... (laughs) if possible, worse off her prep book than she is when her nose is in it and she's stumbling and bumbling over her words because, I beg to differ, KJP, real American families are not even remotely thinking about Memorial Day weekend. First of all, is Memorial Day weekend a big fly all over the country weekend? Memorial Day weekend? Like, I'm sure some people fly some places, but uh, Thanksgiving weekend, Christmas, Easter, like, there are a lot of weekends that I would think put a bigger crush on the airport. In fact, I don't even know if the local news people even go to the airport on Memorial Day weekend. Ah, that's what they're concerned about. They're concerned about that. No. No, they are not. Um, I will be talking about KJP tonight and other things related to media at the Westerville Tea Party meeting, uh, which will take place from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Old Bag of Nails pub in downtown Westerville. Looking forward to that. And the person who invited me asked me a couple months ago, do you think you'll have a problem finding examples of woke media stuff that we can talk about so you can equip people to better and more you know, with more discernment, read stories and news coverage. And I'm like, no, I don't think I'll have any problem finding examples of that. And I've been keeping a stack of things, and I'm hoping that I can get out the door today with the stack (laughs) blocking my path. The latest of which is this story in the Columbus Dispatch. Overdose deaths, colon. Black people dying at a much higher rate than whites in Franklin County. Hmm. Can anybody think why that would be? Anybody think why more black people would be dying of drug overdoses than white people? Let's read. Maybe we can learn. The latest data from Franklin County Coroner shows that 790 overdose deaths in 2022 in the county, a 4.2% decrease from the year before. Hey, we're going in the right direction. White people accounted for 57% of the county's overdose deaths. Well, that's more than half, so i got to think that probably is pleasing to the dispatch. Compared to black people, who accounted for 35%. But the numbers, here we go, here comes the bad news, here comes the racist part. The numbers tell a different story when adjusted for the county's population demographics. 
the overdose death rate for people who identify as black. See, they're not just black. They identify as black. Was 89 for every 100,000 people compared to 53 for white people. So not enough white people are dying from overdoses in Franklin County to keep the Columbus Dispatch happy because we have more a higher percentage of black people die from overdoses than the percentage of white people who die from overdoses. I'm not an expert, but I wonder if it has anything to do with the percentage of people who use drugs. I didn't read to page two. Maybe that answer is on page two. I don't know. What do you think? Now, from woke stupidity to rock-solid truth. Reverend Franklin Graham, president and CEO of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, has put the finishing touches on his God Loves You Tidewater tour. I love this. He went to a bunch of small towns in North Carolina. The last one had 7,600 people in attendance, which you say, well, it's not a very big crowd. The town contains 4,400 people. They had like 170% of the population of the town at the event. Now, Billy Graham is headed out on, or uh, Franklin Graham is headed out on another tour to Seoul, Korea, London, Germany, to Rome. But he says he has a burden for small towns. It's just as important, Franklin Graham said, to go to these communities as it is to preach in major cities. Because the gospel has such a strong impact in these smaller towns places. Yes, in fact, it does. It has a strong impact everywhere because people everywhere are full of anxiety about the future. They don't know where to turn. And while the headlines are increasingly depressing on the border, internationally, domestically, locally, shootings in the short north and the like, wokeness in schools, sexual harassment of women, the demeaning of women, the enslavement of people trapped in all sorts of immorality, including sexual addiction, whether it is adultery in marriage or whether it is the LGBTQ agenda. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most diverse, the most inclusive, the most equitable thing ever. That is where your hope must be grounded. It took me a long time to figure out how simple it is. You're not good enough, can't be good enough. Jesus provides a way to be forgiven and that no one can outsin his forgiveness and redemption. So that's inclusive. That's diverse. And it's available to all. <laughs> 